We're going to chat now with Dr. Daniel Callan, who is head of the ER at St. Paul's Hospital in downtown Vancouver, also an international best-selling author of 12 medical thrillers. His latest book, Lost Immunity, is a cautionary tale about the dangers of vaccine hesitancy. Doctor, uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, I appreciate your time. Great to be here, Shay. So why don't we just start with the vaccination effort and, and why it's so important. When we talk about this, this herd immunity, what's the number we need to get to and what happens if we reach that number? Well, I mean, as you said, 70% is sort of what's always cited. I mean, that's not an exact number. But, you know, the analogy I really like to use is the, that I've heard before is the, the idea of being in the rain. If, if you're individually vaccinated, you know, a vaccine for you is like a raincoat. But if a whole community is vaccinated, then it's more like forming herd immunity, which is more like a tent above us all. And right. for that tent to be waterproof, you've got to have you know, the majority of the community vaccinated. Now, when we talk about this vaccine, there's a lot of questions in terms of, you know, does it stop transmission? It doesn't prevent you from getting sick. You just don't get very sick. So herd immunity still applies when we're talking about vaccination against COVID-19, right? Absolutely. You know, there's growing evidence that the immunity might even be better from a vaccine, especially against the variants, compared to if you had a previous strain of just natural COVID. These things really work. I mean, the the science is indisputable. They're medical miracles, you know. So uh, let's talk about vaccine hesitancy. Now, this is not new. Uh, We've definitely seen it before, obviously, uh, you know, playing out in other situations. We all remember that the resurgence of the measles that we saw in several North American places not all that long ago. So there is a there is a group of the population that is hesitant or resistant to vaccines. Right. This isn't new. No. I mean, uh, funnily enough, it goes back to the original vaccine. Right. The smallpox vaccine about 200 years ago, vaccine hesitant appeared as soon as the vaccine did, you know, for religious reasons, for political freedom reasons. It's It's been longstanding. But as you said, you know, it really mushroomed in the late 90s when that fraudulent study came out that associated measles with autism, right. which was so debunked and disproven. But it just became this echo chamber and social media was exploding. And that's really when we, we saw the explosion of vaccine hesitancy and the anti-vax movement. Now, when we talk about vaccine hesitancy, I think we have a, a you know, a tendency, and, and it's dangerous, to fall into these sweeping generalizations, right? You know, if you're adamant you're not going to get vaccinated or even hesitant and concerned, instantly a lot of people will characterize that as you're, you're, you're ignorant, you're anti-science, you can't be reasoned with. Um, it's just yeah. sort of a shouting match that ensues at that point. And... Um, that's not always the case, right? There's just some people that have some legitimate questions. For sure. And, you know, and as you point out, there's some people who are unreachable. For them, it's a religion, the whole anti-vax thing. But there's some people, too, who, who have allergies, who, you know, who are just concerned about how, you know, quote, quickly these vaccines appeared, which really isn't the case. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they have these legitimate worries about just taking a new medication. And I, I empathize. That's, 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 that's legitimate. But more more importantly, that's addressable. You can have dialogue with those people, and ideally you can convince them. So how do you do that? How, I mean, obviously shouting at them and calling them ignorant and anti-science and stuff doesn't work. So what's the better approach? How do we go about this? Well, first of all, listen to them. You know, find out what their concerns are, what they've heard, uh, you know, and, and, and make them feel understood. And, and as you said, don't marginalize, don't dismiss them. But once you do that, then present real science to them. Present, you know, the facts, present a little bit about the history of 
vaccines, how it eradicated smallpox and polio and all some of the worst scourges we've ever mm-hmm. seen. But more importantly, talk about the current data. I mean, there's no better example than Great Britain, which had a terrible problem with COVID. And in January, 1,400 people a day were dying in Great Britain from COVID every single day. They instituted the much maligned AstraZeneca in a wide-sweeping far-reaching vaccine campaign, as of the beginning of May, five people a day were dying. I mean, it's just no one could have predicted that quick, that amazing a response from a vaccine. And, you know, the risk, I think, when you start yelling at people and marginalizing them, as we've discussed, is um, if you're not there as sort of... um I guess compassionate is the word, to sort of have the discussion mm-hmm. and to address the fears and, and try and help them. When you just yell at them and marginalize them, they will go seek the information on their own. And that's where we get into a lot of problems because we know social media is rife with misinformation. That's very true. You know, and, and, and as you alluded to in, the, in my new novel, uh, Lost Immunity, which is coming out, it, it is a, a, a cautionary tale about vaccine hesitancy. But I try to portray the vaccine hesitant and even the anti-vax side with some compassion and make them three-dimensional people and raise these exact points that they don't feel listened to, that they have their own community that supports them, that they feel isolated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then they don't get their information necessarily from the best scientific sources because of the way they're treated. And that information, as we know, that you can, you can find any kind of information out there. So I guess the question is, if, if we do this wrong, I mean, because as we said, there are some people who just, they're anti-vaccination and that, that, that's it. And I, okay. But there's a large segment um, in between, I want to get vaccinated and I'll never get vaccinated, that we need to make sure we, we handle properly if we want to reach this herd immunity, correct? What happens if we don't do that properly and we don't reach herd immunity? Are we stuck in this sort of twilight zone? <laughs> Probably to a degree. I mean, there's somewhere between a pandemic, uh, which we're in now, and endemic, which what COVID will probably end up, you know, it'll probably mutate and there'll be little outbreaks and mm-hmm. we won't get as sick from it because we'll all have partial immunity. But there is that state that's somewhere in between and or that it'll take an extra year longer to, to get over the pandemic because we don't have enough of herd immunity. I mean, the better buy-in we have, the more the more we can disrupt the transmission now the better we will be in free of COVID in a post-pandemic world. It really, it's, it's in all of our interests from, you know, just, you know, health-wise, not just, you know, but everything to open up the economy, to, to all the personal freedoms yeah. that people want, that people often cite who are anti-vax. The quickest way to get those personal freedoms back is getting us immune. And the best way to do that is through a vaccine. And as you, as you say, you can point to the evidence of that. Like you say, the UK, what we're seeing in parts of the United States now, uh, there's, we're seeing cases drop as things open up because people are vaccinated. So the, the evidence is there. The proof is there. Totally. I mean, we have evidence, right, in my city in Vancouver, in downtown east side, which I'm sure you've probably heard of and know is one of the poorest, most mm-hmm. uh, marginalized communities anywhere in Canada. And they had and very high risk, a lot of uh, substance users there who were very high risk from COVID. We had a terrible outbreak in the fall. Our community, our public health decided to go in and just vaccinate en masse with a single dose of Pfizer. It wasn't the, the two dose. They didn't, they didn't get the second dose right. and, until now. And... COVID just disappeared. I mean, you know, we went from uh, a terrible outbreak there to practically no cases. This, this, it's indisputable that this works once it's instituted well. Doctor, thanks so much for your time this morning. I appreciate it. Uh, pleasure being on. Thanks, Jay. Thank you very much. That's Dr. Daniel Kalla.